Welcome to the Time Management Podcast with me, your host, Abigail Barnes. I'm a productivity coach, global speaker, time management author, and award-winning entrepreneur on a mission to share the 888 formula with the world and to remind you that it's your time. Leave it to me to bring you new time management tips, tricks, tools, and strategies to introduce you to guests, research, and case studies from around the world, and to give you a simple five-step process you can follow to up-level your productivity, achieve your goals, and create a life that exceeds your wildest dreams. I'm so excited that you're here, so let's get started. Rebecca Kiger, oh my goodness me, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you, Abigail. I'm so excited to be here. I really do appreciate you having me. Well, thank you so much for making the time. I know you are a super busy woman and you are joining us from the US. Whereabouts in the US are you, just to give readers, listeners (laughs) some perspective? I'm here on the East Coast of the US. I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So most people in the world know where you New York City is. I'm only about five or six hours away from New York City in a drive. So, so awesome. So let's dive straight in. We are going to have a super interesting conversation here today about your perspective of time. And I cannot wait to hear you give us some of the spiritual strategic thoughts that you have on this. But what has got Rebecca Kiger to where she is today? Just give us sort of your intro in a nutshell. Yeah, so I am a trauma-informed master mindset and money coach. And how I got here was realistically, I was born and raised below the poverty line. So my mom was a single mom with seven kids. And I became a young mom myself, living on government assistance and kind of perpetuating a lot of the cycles that I saw my mom do when I was younger. So had an awakening, right? There was a period of time, there was kind of that crossroads that I took a different path. And now I am on the other side of all of that, have healed myself, have healed my trauma, have healed a lot of the conditioning and the programming that I've overcome. And now I am... It's become my mission to help as many other women do the same in their lives. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited to dive deeper into this. And thank you for sort of opening the conversation and sharing how you've got to hear. So most of the guests that we bring on the show have some kind of wake up call to why they do what they do. You haven't always done what it is that you do today. So what were you doing before? And was that part of your wake up journey to what's got you to where you are today? Yeah, I would say that like my wake up journey or the crossroads that I was presented with was really actually a mentor, which has allowed for me to realize the power of a mentor because it was a probably a little over a decade ago that my mentor came into my life and he just saw more in me than I saw in myself. And I was really living in this matrix or trance-like state where I was just going and going and going. I was conditioned as a child to believe that hard work is what equals success. And so I was just grinding and hustling and it it does actually get you so far, but I was kind of at that crossroads point where I was burning myself out at a young age. I had no time with my daughter, right? My baby at the time. And I was just essentially living for the weekend and I was completely burned out, unfulfilled in life and thought that Of course, maybe it was my job or, you know, I didn't know what it was, but I knew that I couldn't continue down that path of being on that, what I call the hamster wheel of life, right? So it was really when my mentor came into my life and he saw more in me than I saw in myself. He sat me down and he said, Hey, like we can 
we can change this. If you're not happy, we can make a different choice here. We can, and I was like completely baffled by this. This is the first time I ever understood what setting smart goals was, you know, all of the things, right? And so it really was his belief in me at the time that allowed for me to hit my first milestone year to start moving in the direction of where it is that I am today. And it's also what built my belief in the power of a mentor and how much I believe that mentors are cheat codes. I believe that people in our lives who are there to show us the path, who already walked the path, can literally shave years, if not decades, off of our life, right? Off of the journey, off of the process of time, right? They can shave that off of us because we're learning from them and we're not having to trial and error it along the way. So that's really what caused the biggest shift for me. And then there's been many shifts since, including spiritual awakenings over and over again. But yes, that's pretty much what caused that shift for me early on. So to give people context to this story, you worked in the finance sector for a number of years, and then you now obviously run your own business. The mentor came into your life. Now I am being the the devil's advocate here of that person who is literally like Rebecca, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what my life purpose is. I'm in a corporate job. I don't really enjoy it. What what, does a mentor just bing bong rings my door and we have a cup of tea. Talk me through this. Yes. So again, to give that context, like you said, yes, I was working in the corporate world at the time. So when I graduated high school, essentially, I was 18 years old and I had a six month old daughter. So very young mom, college, university was not an option for me. So I started working in the corporate space at the time as a banker. And you and I have a similar background. I ended my career in the corporate space as a financial advisor, investments, you know, dealing with hundreds of millions of dollars with clients. So that's kind of the trajectory of how that happened over a period of time. But yes, this was a mentor that was placed into my life. So at the time, I was very resistant to change when we first met because it wasn't someone that I hired or that I asked to come into my life. This was someone who was essentially in like a boss employee type role, but he did take me under his wing. And I would say that at the time kind of felt like I knew better or I looked at my life as though I've already overcome all of this. I was already fairly successful financially, a lot more than I had ever imagined myself being at the time, especially having no college degree and coming from where I came from. So I kind of already had thought that I had created some success and he was there to show me that, yeah, there's more to go. But I was very actually resistant at the time. So that's how he came into my life. He was placed there, but I've hired many, many mentors since and work mm. coaches in different capacities now. Wow. I mean, I love this. And I think it's so important that we break it down into sort of these granular steps, if you like, because I totally remember that feeling 10 years ago before, well, so it would have been 11 years ago before my awakening when I was in this corporate job and I just did not know what to do, but I was asking, give me a sign, show me. And they say in life, be careful what you wish for, because obviously I then manifested a near-death experience. Were you, before you got your peer mentor, were you, was there anything in you that was awakening, inkling towards what next? What now? What am I going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Going back to what I shared before, it was like that crossroads, right? I was burned out. I was so tired. I was so exhausted. I knew there had to be a better way. 
And from the time that I was growing up, I knew that, you know, my mom, we grew up in a very religious household. So my mom used to say that God found favor on our family. And I still agree with that concept. Maybe my ideas are a little different than what hers were growing up or what we were taught growing up. But I do believe that from the time that we were growing up, from the time that I was young, you know, we statistically speaking, a single mother with seven children in one of the poorest areas in the country, we should not statistically be where we are today. And so having the protection that I felt spiritually from the time that I was young over my life, I knew that there was a grand passion or purpose or something that was placed on my life. There was a mission, a meaning. Mm -hmm. At the time, I had absolutely no idea how to access it though. It was something mm-hmm. where I was living in like total, totally out of alignment. And that's why I was feeling so burned out. So there was this yearning. There was this crossroads that I was at. And that's where I was. I was not sure. I wasn't where I am today uh, from a spiritually developed place. But at the time, I just knew that I needed to get out of where I was. And as fate would have it, that's about the time that my mentor came into my life because I was ready to just quit my job. I didn't know what mm-hmm. I was going to do. I was going to quit my job and move to the beach and figure it out from there. But as fate would have it, it's gone in a different path. And I'm really glad that it has because I've ended up where I am today. But yes, there was always a yearning. There was always something there. And it wasn't until maybe the last five years or so that I've really been deep on this journey in working with spiritual mentors and diving deep into trying to navigate successfully sometimes and unsuccessfully other times. Well, it's always going to be success, right? But what I would have deemed as failures along the way in my spiritual awakening journey. Mm. And that's kind of come a little bit later in life. Mm. I love this. And I love this conversation. And just for context of listeners. So Rebecca and I, I was on her podcast and we've had very similar conversations. We've had conversations offline and we talk a lot online as well. And what we both identified is that on the journey to becoming the humans that we are today, we've both Maybe this is a dramatic way to describe it. And this is how I truly resonate with it. And I remember when I shared with you, you did say, "Mm, yeah, I kind of agree. We've both sort of crawled across glass, if you like, to learn the lessons to evolve to where we are. And the reason that I'm digging in Rebecca in her story is to just have a body of work that proves over and over and over again that there is a way that the world operates that we all live within until something happens. And on this podcast, you were going to get guest after guest after guest after guest who is going to be revealing there's something and there's something might not be as traumatic as a stroke. like mine. It might be a burnout. It might be a loss. It might be a divorce. It might be the loss of somebody else. But when the awakening comes, it might even be 2020 for context, because the number of people who found 2020 was their awakening. And maybe we can go into this later in the conversation, Rebecca, because I'm sure a number of your clients have come to you as a result of their 2020 awakening. But it then is a journey of mentor, of trainer, of coach, of program, of country, of learning, of lesson, of modality. And you are going to recognize in all these conversations that I have, especially with somebody like Rebecca, who also like myself has over the last sort of 10 years gone on the spiritual journey and literally gone from the cave of the sameness with everybody else to out in the wilderness. (laughs) I don't know where we're going, but 
let's go and figure it out. So yeah, I'm super, super excited to have the opportunity to bring you and this conversation to the podcast today. Yeah, it's it's wonderful because it is a process, right? It's always a process. And that again, it's it's I didn't realize every step of the way that I of course was going to end up where I am, but it is following those nudges. It's following the intuition. It's following the guidance. And that really is what allows for us to allow this journey to unfold. But yeah, the crawling across glass was definitely a an analogy that I resonate with because I made it a lot harder on myself. And I think that's something that, of course, we can dive into it if you'd like. But I do think that, yeah, when we talk about the concept of time, we certainly can make things harder for ourselves. And we can certainly allow for things to take a longer period of time. So the universe isn't going to isn't going to necessarily care, right? It's not going to override our free will. We have the opportunity to make things easier or make them harder. I chose for a long time to make things harder until, you know, it was kind of too late, right? Which was a couple of years back during my journey with my shaman. But that's where I was really forced to face myself head on and to surrender to the universe's plan. But it did take me a long time. And, you know, according to maybe different belief systems. I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing because I learned my lesson Mm. in this lifetime and I won't have to come back and repeat some of these things, (laughs) you know, I believe, right. So, but sometimes it takes people a little bit longer of a period of time. Sometimes it takes people a quicker period of time and either way it's okay because you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Yeah. So, I mean, there's sort of three or four different tangents coming off of this point for me. And obviously we both agree time isn't how it seems and it doesn't exist how we've been led to believe it, which we might get to that conversation today. It takes as long as it takes until we learn what it is that we're here to learn. And each of us is here to learn a different thing. Do you agree? A thousand percent. Yeah. A thousand percent. And it's going to take as long as it takes. And when you're ready to learn the lesson, that's when you can move on. And so then when it comes to working with people such as yourself to take sort of the next step on that spiritual journey to let go of whatever it is that's in your life, I'm guessing that you believe that the people who come to you are ready for that when they're ready for that. There, It isn't a question of, well, no, because I had to crawl across glass. You have to crawl across glass. I'll see you in 10 years time. It's that because that's not their karma. That's not their dharma. That's not their thing to heal. They're ready to work with you. Just talk us through sort of how that process works. Then. Yeah, this is a conversation I had with my, with my shaman. And this was years ago at this point. And I remember her saying, you know, You can spend the rest of your life healing these things, or you can choose to heal them now. Again, the universe doesn't care. It's not here to push you one way or another, and it's not going to override your free will. So if you want to address these things now, you can address them now. And I'm ready to help those who want to address it now. But we can, of course, allow our ego and fear to run the show long enough that we can wait, you know, another five years or 10 years or never. In some cases, like I look at my parents, right? My father in particular, in this lifetime, there are many things that I can look at as an outside observer and say, he's just not going to be willing to look at those things and to heal them. And that's okay. You have to come back and do it again, or whatever, you know, whatever happens after we die. But the reality is that, yeah, we can we can choose to heal in this lifetime. We can choose to heal it in the next. Our soul doesn't, it's not in a rush because it recognizes that we're, we're going to keep coming. You know, We're going to have to keep experiencing these things until we learn the lessons and until we evolve. Our soul is not in a rush. It's likely our ego that's in a rush. And sometimes that's the very thing that's holding us back 
from learning the lesson in this lifetime. Oh my goodness. Who would have thought that we would be talking about lives, past lives, dharmas, souls, egos, and all of these things in a conversation about time. But the more I dive into time and how we see it, how we see it, and what we get as a result of it, I truly feel like there are two conversations. There's the strategic, very physical 3D conversation, and there's the spiritual 5D esoteric conversation. Yeah, they they don't, they're they're not separate from one another. You know, they're not. They are two, they are conceptually, but the reality is that they both exist together. And it's almost like they're the two sides of us, aren't they? Like we are souls in a human body. We are having a physical experience. Yes, of course. We live in a 3D reality, and so therefore we experience time. But in all reality, yeah, time is also an illusion because you can't present to me yesterday. If I asked you to show me yesterday, you can't present that to me. You can't present to me five years from now. You can't show it to me. It doesn't exist anywhere but here. And you can't show me tomorrow. You can't show me five years from now. The only thing you've ever been able to show anyone else is right now. And I had this conversation with my husband because he's deep down all of the esoteric, you know, spirituality rabbit holes as I am. And, you know, it, it's interesting. That's why we experience you know, why it feels like it was simultaneously 10 years ago that we experienced something, but it feels like yesterday. That's why, because it's always ever only been right now. (laughs) And it is a, it's a hard concept, I think, for people to necessarily grasp. But once you grasp it, it's like, you can never go back, right? You can never go back to seeing time the way that you used to once you understand how it actually works. I love it. I love it. I feel like we could dive even deeper into this What's your relationship like then with time today? So it used to be very, because I know that you, we'd kind of talked a little bit about this before we hopped on. I used to put a lot of pressure on myself to get, get there, wherever there is, spending a lot of time just trying to focus on the next thing and where it is that I was going versus now being able to be fully present and recognize that there's actually nowhere to get. And that is so freeing once you fully embody that understanding and that wisdom, because it allows for you to just enjoy the present moment, which again, the present moment is all we ever have. And it's called the present for a reason. It's a gift. And in this present moment is where I can create my reality. It's where I can activate my highest timeline. It's where I can cultivate the presence to truly experience the joy and the gratitude and the, and the fun and the excitement if all you're ever doing is spending time thinking about where it is that you're going, which is a pattern that I ran for the majority of my life, you are never going to fully be able to appreciate this life right now. It's like you're thinking about your life, but you're not actually living your life. You're thinking about the next thing, but you're not actually living your life. And that was a pattern that I ran for a really long time. And so now I really have cultivated this awareness to the present moment to my ability to be able to just be to experience the small things because what i have realized is that it isn't about where i'm going it's about the journey of who i'm becoming and who it is that i am right now this is such a beautiful gift and i truly when i say that i cultivate that presence i do that every single day and even this morning i was in tears i was literally in tears in my gratitude practice just thinking about where it is that i used to be and how I don't live that way anymore. I don't live in that same circumstance. I don't live in that same body anymore. I don't I don't have to experience the same things, but 
the truth is that it all starts with who it is that we're being right now. And that's how we cultivate change. That's how we create change. It's in the being, it's in the doing right now. It's not in what you can change from the past or what you're trying to do in the future. It's what are you doing and who are you being right now? Wow. And so with all this in mind, how are you doing what people would say, setting goals, growing your business, Q1, Q2, Q3, where do you see yourself in five years time? How does that whole construct fit within the model of being in the now and evolving who we are? Yeah, I love that question. And a big part of, I do I do still set goals. I still have, you know, a five-year plan and, and ideas around this. So I do think that there are some masculine structures that that can be very helpful. But I also now, I have completely surrendered the control that I would have had before around how it has to look, how it has to unfold. I used to be very, very tied to controlling the process. And that is what kept me stuck for a very long time. Because if you think about your life right now, could you have 10 years ago, foreshadowed and foreseen exactly the way that your life would have panned out to get you to this point. Like, no, you would have never been able to know what was coming. And so therefore, why do we try to control the process as we're moving forward into the future? It doesn't make sense. It also doesn't allow for the universe to deliver on things that are really actually the path that we're intended to walk. It doesn't leave room for alignment. And so what I do is I really, again, cultivate that presence and allow my intuition to guide me. I know that once I have declared what it is that I want to become or what I want to create in terms of goal setting and um, business income and all of those things, once I have declared that, I know that the universe knows what it is that my intention is, right? I'm the, I'm the co-creator in this. So I get to have those goals. I get to have those desires and those intentions. And I also believe that those desires were placed on my heart from the divine. So I believe that they are already mine. And so then in the moment, every single day, right? And I'm human. So I still struggle with this from time to time and get into my head and overthink and all of the things, right? But when I am cultivating that presence in the moment, I am bringing in the emotions and the vibration and the gratitude for where it is that I know that I'm going. So then I show up as the version of me who I'm acting as if I already have what it is that I desire. And so therefore, I know that's how I'm collapsing the time and allowing these things to happen even more quickly than they would have before. Wow. So what I'm hearing you say, I guess, is that you have a desire and that desire you believe is already done because it wouldn't have come to you if it wasn't. So your work is to not worry about how you're going to do it. Your work is to to do intuitively what you're called to do. That's exactly it. Yeah. Which is letting go of the how. It's letting go of the the how and then also the attachment to it. I don't actually care. It's it's such a weird concept and I've never like cuz I'm only new to this in the last couple of years, but it's also so freeing. But I used to be so attached it has to come this way and it has to come from this income source and it has to come from this business and it has to come this way through this many clients, right? The control that I used to try to have on it. And now it's just like, yeah, I don't care how it comes because I know the universe is going to give it. And in the freeing, the freedom that comes with that, it's, it's just hard to even describe. So I'm just thinking of somebody who's listening to this and they're saying, okay, I get it. No, I don't get it. 
so talk me then through like what a typical day would look like for you. Are you working in the same place every day? Do you have a strict routine? How how does being integrate with the doing in all of this process? I love the question. So, you know, I I spend some time in the beginning of the week on Sunday evening, typically, and I sit down and kind of map out my week. So I do have those masculine structures. There are things in my business that I have set the intention well before that day that I'm planning on working on this today. So I kind of have some themes for the day that I know ahead of time when I'm heading into the week that this is my focus for the day. I take every Wednesday off. That's kind of like already on the schedule because I I like to work Monday, Tuesday, have Wednesday off and then finish out the week for Thursday and Friday. So I like to have those themes. And then that's what allows for me to have the inspiration because I'm a generator and human design. I don't know how much you've talked about human design on here thus far, but we have talked about human design, nothing on here. Also, <laughs> I am a generator. So you are free to talk about human design. Okay. So basically as a generator, you know that I need something to respond to. And so the more that I have developed the rapport with my higher self, the more that I understand myself, And the way that my intuition works, which may not be the same as everyone else's, the more that I can then set myself up for success. And so I allow myself to have the masculine structures of these, these are the themes for what I'm having today. These are the time blocks that I might have set for myself during the, you know, my Sunday session, if you will. And then I also allow for myself to have that intuitive guidance throughout the day. So I have something to respond to. And I also really feel into what is it that I want to do today? What feels good to me today? You know, I have this concept of red, green, and yellow days that I love. And so it's it's a concept that I that I teach inside of my container. But the reality is these red, green, and yellow days are red days are days that I wake up and I either don't feel well physically. Maybe I am, you know, really struggling with something mentally. We just had a death in the family, you know, things like that can come up. We're human. And so I don't expect myself to be on every single day, right? On a red day, I'm not going to maybe show up and do podcast interviews or lives or things like that, right? So I have this, these sort of parameters and guidelines for the day. And sometimes those include time blocks. And because I am devoted to my work, I will show up and do what it is that I said I was going to do because I want to live in that integrity. But I also do allow myself to have my days where it's, you know, red days, yellow days, and green days as well. And I check in with myself. I don't try to push myself anymore. That is what led me to burnout. And so I don't I don't live that way anymore, although I am very devoted to the work that I do. So it's a different, it's a different energy. I used to be like disciplined, right? Disciplined and, and in my opinion, I love the word devotion instead. So I'm not like punishing myself. I'm here to show up devoted to my work. So I hope that answers the question. It's a little bit of the masculine versus the feminine that I kind of balance with every single day and just allow myself to be intuitively guided, but it within parameters. Mm. And do you have times of the day that you start, like every day you start at the same time or different times? Do you work in the same place? Oh yeah, I do. That. Sorry. I work from home. You know, I have my own business here. So I'm 
likely in the same place every day. I do have multiple businesses though. So every once in a while, I'll be out and about in one of my physical offices within the Pittsburgh area. So most of the time though, I'm at home. And most of the time I do like to start at the same day because again, with my human design chart, I like routines. I'm very routine oriented, but this is where you have the opportunity you know, to discover what you like as well. See, I think we're conditioned as a society to believe that there's only one way to do things when in all reality, what works for you? What works with your intuition? What is your language with the universe? How do you communicate with your highest self or you know, your unconscious mind? So I personally love routine. I love to do the same things at the same time every single day. It frees up a lot of my generator energy to spend on my creative abilities. But not everyone's built like that. That's just the way that I like to do things. Fantastic. Well, thank you for sharing, because I think it is so awesome that we hear on this podcast the differences and how the differences are still getting to the same outcome. Because before we started, you were talking to me about the Align Method, which is something that you teach your clients. So tell us just a little bit more about this. And also, is human design something that you have included in the way that you work with people? Because I know it is a modality that is very, very interesting from my own perspective and the people that I speak to. Yes, absolutely. So I'll share a little bit about the Align Method. And then, you know, if you if you feel called, I'd be happy to gift your audience a training around this as well, because that way they can dive even deeper. So just kind of know, I'm going to overview it fairly quickly for the sake of our time today. But if you want to dive deeper, you'll have the opportunity to do that. That'll probably likely be in the show notes. I'd have to imagine. So the Align Method is a method that I downloaded essentially from the universe in a meditation a few years ago that actually is, as I have done more research around the method, is kind of every step that you would need to create positive change in your life from a neuroscience perspective, as well as a universal law perspective. It was very, very interesting. And it was kind of like the most, it was just crazy how it all happened. But I got the method in in a meditation. And this is a method that I use primarily with clients to help them reinvent their relationship with money and create change as it relates to money. But you can use this in any area of your life. It's just a method that can help you to create change. And so it's an acronym that spells out the word align, of course, and it starts with cultivating awareness. So pillar number one is for awareness. So we have to become aware of the ways that we are showing up that are disempowering in our lives. So what are some of the cycles? What are some of the habits, right? As it relates to money, I talk a lot about how are you perpetuating the situation that you're in right now, whether it's good or bad, right? Whether you want to, and I use those words lightly, right? Good or bad, whether it is you perpetuating limiting beliefs, right? Feeling of not being good enough or not showing up powerfully enough or not having the confidence that you need, right? Or there's all kinds of things that we want to cultivate awareness to, but ultimately we want to see where are you showing up, right? Because I believe that we cannot necessarily change things in our lives that we're unaware of. So if you're not aware of yourself perpetuating something, this is why it's called a blind spot. Because we can usually look at other people and say, oh, if he or she would just stop doing this, like their life would be so much better, right? How many of us know someone we can point out easily what their blind spot is, but it's harder for us to see ourselves. And that's why I believe mirrors exist, right? So um, I believe that we as other individuals and mentors, we can be mirrors for other people and help them to see their own blind spots. So that's the first step is we want to cultivate awareness 
as to some of the things that you might be doing to perpetuate your current circumstance because you have the power to change it. And so that's the first thing that we do in the Align Method. The second step is once we have identified the ways that you are perpetuating your current situation, right? And I say this in the most empowering way because some people might feel like a little triggered by that, which, you know, and they might say, hey, I don't have any... I don't have any blind spots. Well, that's where I was when I met my mentor. I thought mm-hmm. that we do it all and we don't necessarily, we can't create change in a, in a place like that, right? So it's about being open. It's about being honest and vulnerable and looking where, hey, if we're not where we want to be in our lives, there's some ways that we're perpetuating these things. So then we move on to pillar number two, which is L and it stands for letting those things go. So once we identify the cycles and the patterns and the limiting beliefs and the ways that we're showing up that are not empowering, then we have to move into modalities to be able to let those go. So I'm a master practitioner of neurolinguistic programming. I help my clients get to the root cause of why it is that they're doing what they're doing and then we can release it and shift it. And once we have made room for what it is that we actually want to do, right? Because a lot of times if we're just running these patterns, we're not actually, we don't have the capacity for change. We don't have the capacity to do something different. So once we let those things go, we move into pillar number three, which is I, and it stands for identifying where you want to go instead, identifying your highest self. So that's where we can get into the goal setting, right? From this new brand new lens of possibility versus where you might have you know, set goals in the past and said, well, you know, I kind of know that I'm not the type of person that follows through on my goals. So I'm not even going to take action, right? We're no longer seeing through that lens. We're seeing through a new lens of, of a bright new canvas that we can now create our life on. And then once we start to really set these goals and know which direction we want to go, G stands for, it's pillar number four, stands for getting into inspired action. So inspired action looks very different than just moving to move. So remember the story of the hamster wheel where I was on when I was in my corporate space. I don't live that way anymore. Now I take inspired action. And the way that we do this is through tapping into our intuitive gifts, you know, learning more about our human design, learning more about how it is that we are intended to take action in our lives. Because, you know, society would tell us that we're all the same, but I promise you we're not, right? We're all built to be very unique individuals. And we have to like learn a little bit more about how it is that we were designed so that we can take proper action and the action that's going to move us and not burn us out. And the last step is pillar number five, and it's N, and it stands for normalizing and stabilizing this new well once you get there. So once you start taking inspired action and no longer taking hamster wheel action, right, you're going to start seeing progress towards your goals. You're going to start making the money and manifesting the dreams and, you know, moving in the direction of where you want to go. But what happens sometimes is anything as it relates to the nervous system, this is a deeper conversation that we don't we won't be getting into today but as it relates to the nervous system creating something new in your life can actually be very scary so anything to the nervous system that is unfamiliar is automatically deemed as unsafe this is why self sabotage happens so once you start making more and more money and you manifest this positive relationship have you ever had a scenario where you felt like it was too good to be true like this is like too much goodness right and so we self sabotage it hmm. the last step is once we get to actually creating our goals, we want to normalize this wealth. We want to normalize this new goodness in our lives. So we don't upper limit or self-sabotage ourselves. There's a book called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks that talks a lot mm-hmm. about limits, right? And so we don't want to be doing that. We don't want to be self-sabotaging. We want to normalize this new reality that we're stepping into so that it becomes safe to our nervous system so we can actually hold on to it. 
So that's the Align method in a nutshell. And again, I'm happy to share a little more about the training. If someone wants to dive into this, all about, it's called How to Rise to Riches Using the Align Method. And they're welcome to check that training out so they can go a little deeper. That is amazing. And so do people work with you in groups or do they work with you one-to-one or is it like both? So I do have both options. So when someone wants to work with me, typically it's done through an application process and then we would chat about what option is best for them. So I have kind of this outline, right? That masculine structure of some of the things that are going to be really important for someone to heal for someone to walk through, but then they also have um, one-to-one and group access to me, depending on which level you know they come in at. So that's a conversation that once they apply, if they, you know, if there's someone who wants to work with me, wants to walk through the Align method, wants to heal their relationship with money, you can certainly just reach out to me and let me know, and we can have a chat to see if it's a good time for you right now, if we're a good fit to work together, and then what level we would be you know, what, it really all depends on the type of support that someone needs. If someone's been doing this for a long time, they might need not need quite as much one-to-one support, whereas someone else might need more handholding. And so that's a discussion that we would have at the time. Yeah. Cause I guess what I'm hearing you say is that it is a journey and the five steps that you take people through is the journey to self-awareness, but, and no one step is any more important than the other. But step number five, in my experience of the last 10 years of sort of personal development is, especially when it comes to money, we can be good at receiving money, but we might not be so good at retaining the money. (laughs) It's huge. And then we might not be so good at recirculating the money. So, and In my understanding of this, each of these stages is a different energy. So for me, my journey has been as much learning new information as it has been application. And I guess what I'm hearing you say is that step number five, the application is learning what the energy feels like to retain it. Because as you were saying, if our nervous system isn't used to a certain amount of money in your bank account or success, you will be triggered, get rid of it, get rid of it, get rid of it, which is why these lottery winners, what is the percentage of lottery winners? Just tell us that. It's it's like 95%. And my my father was a lottery winner <laughs> who ended up as a statistic as well. I mean, it's it's a crazy percentage of people who they don't hold on to the wealth, right? Everyone thinks, oh, if I just came into this windfall of money, that everything would change. And the, the studies show that that's actually not the case. And why is that? Why is that? Is because our nervous system doesn't feel safe around the wealth. So yeah, it's a process that we walk through. And that's why I say like every person's journey looks a little different. Some people are closer than they think to being, you know, normalized and aligned around wealth. And then other people, it just takes a little bit longer, but the process is there so that they can be guided to where they want to go. And it's not, it goes far beyond like the mindset work alone. There's a lot of mindset courses, manifestation work out there. I have designed my programs and my containers to be the most in-depth that I've seen. And I've spent more than six figures on my personal development. And I have been a part of lots of different programs before and worked with lots of different coaches, currently have a coach. I love working with coaches, but the reality is that I have not seen a program or a container that walks through holistically everything as it relates to what we just talked about, because most containers are focused a lot on the mind. And that's why people will manifest more money. They start to bring more wealth into their life, 
but then they can't hold on to it because they haven't actually addressed the root cause in the underlying issue of the nervous system, which is a massive part of this journey and conversation. Well, wow. I can't believe the time has absolutely flown. Obviously it doesn't exist how we think it does, but in this 3D world that we are in recording this podcast, the time has absolutely flown. I feel like we are going to need to do a second episode of this in the next season. We'll have to bring you back to talk more about time. And I love that you have um, an application process in onboarding people to be client, because I think one of the things that both Rebecca and I have walked very similar journeys, investing substantial amounts of money in our own personal development and have both you know, experience the the polarities of perhaps the vetting process not being as helpful as it could have been. But obviously, neither of us are going to blame anything because we take full responsibility. We wouldn't be where we are, who we are today if we hadn't done what we've done. But it doesn't mean that we don't then like to create programs and trainings that have the, the guardrails that perhaps we might feel are necessary in those early steps of the journey or or later as you're trying to decide what, what's right for you and what's not right for you. Not that there's a right or wrong, but on, on this journey of discovery, I think it's always good to, to have conversations before. We would never go into a shop and buy something unless we knew we could try it on and or return it if it didn't fit when we got it home. There we go. But thank you so, so much for joining us today and for your kind offer of the training for people. So where can we connect with you online on the basis? Everything's going to be in the show notes, but just give us the highlights. Yeah, absolutely. So all my social handles are rise with Rebecca. So I hang out most on Instagram. If you want to come check me out there and DM me, give me a follow, let me know that you came from this episode. It would mean the world. My favorite thing to do in this world is to connect with other like minds. So, you know, let me know that this had an impact on your life because that allows for me to know which parts of these conversations are the most impactful. And that way I can continue the ripple effect of helping other women. Amazing. Amazing. I love it. And thank you so much for joining me. It has been my absolute pleasure to have this conversation here with you today. I don't want it to end because I want us to continue, but we, we are, and we will. So until next time, stay safe, stay well, and remember it's your time. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you loved what you heard, be sure to let me know by leaving a review so I can keep the good stuff coming. Come and say hi on Instagram at Success by Design Training or visit my website, successbydesigntraining.com or connect with me on LinkedIn. Just search Abigail Barnes. Until next time, don't forget, you are amazing and it's your time.